welcome to the Lakeshore Museum Center's Muskegon History and Beyond podcast. Today you are listening to Gwen and Wendy from Michigan's Heritage Park in Whitehall. And we are getting ready to open up our park on April 30th this year and we're doing a lot of spring cleaning. So we thought it would be a fun idea to talk about the history of spring cleaning. So Wendy, can you tell us why spring cleaning was so important in the 1830s to start with? Sure, so in the 1830s, they were using wood-burning fireplaces to heat their homes and also to cook their food. And one of the things with a wood-burning fireplace is you end up with a lot of soot on your walls. And so in the springtime, you would open up the house, you didn't have to have a fire going all the time, you could do a fire outside to cook, and you would scrub down your walls, clean out the chimney, um, and get rid of that winter soot. If you were lucky enough to have glass windows, you might have buildup on soot on your glass windows. In the 1830s settlers, that would have been unlikely, but in later time periods when they were still burning wooden homes or using kerosene lamps, you would have to get that coating off the inside of your windows as well as cleaning the outside of your windows, just like we do today, except most of ours is like splashes from rain and things like that. Was there any other kind of cleaning that they did in the spring? Yeah, they also would take out their beds and air them out. Not many people realize, but their mattresses were often stuffed with straw or corn husks or dried leaves. And bed bugs were kind of a legitimate problem. They liked living in that type of material. And so families would take their beds out. They would air them out. They might get some fresh material to put in them um, and clean everything. Also doing a lot of laundry with washing all the sheets and everything, um, which was much easier task to do outside, which in a Michigan winter, it's not the easiest thing to do if you can get away with not having to do that type of laundry all the time. And thinking about outside, was there anything they had to do to the buildings to help keep them up? Yeah, so our log cabins all have chinking. It's the material that stuffs the cracks between the logs so that the wind can't blow through and the elements can't get in. And settlers would use moss or clay or leaves or whatever might be available. Um, and as that material would dry out, it often would fall out of the cracks. So in the spring and in the fall, they would take a look at their cabins and see if they needed to be rechinked anywhere to have those cracks stuffed to keep the elements outside. So we're going to talk about one specific tool that they use for spring cleaning, and that is brooms. Wendy, how important were brooms back in the day? Because we still use them today. Right, so brooms are really great. They're a simple tool and can be as simple as just a tree branch. If you think about how the Native Americans may have swept out their wigwams and kept the areas around their homes clear and clean, um, it would have been very easy for them to grab a pine branch or to bundle some twigs together and make what we would consider today a rather crude broom, what was actually a very effective broom. As a matter of fact, a lot of our staff members here at the park will just grab a tree branch and mm -hmm. sweep out our wigwam areas to keep you know, the leaves away from fires, which was an important safety measure and still is today. As you progress through time, you get to kind of a more rounded and bound broom shape. If anybody thinks of witches at Halloween, it's that traditional round shape, or Harry Potter, <laughs> that we kind of identify as kind of a pioneer style pre-1800 broom. And that, again, could be twigs, um, could be broom corn, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, as well as just some leaves that were bound. Early brooms probably weren't the sturdiest, most durable type of brooms, but they did the job pretty well. 
So nowadays we can go to Meijer or another grocery store or Lowe's or something like that and we can buy a broom really easily. But they had to make them back in the day. So what were some tools that they used and how would they make those brooms in general? So sure, so I mentioned the broom corn earlier. Broom corn is a type of plant that's in the sorghum family. And if you're looking at it growing, the stalk kind of looks like bamboo, but with corn leaves on it. And it grows a great big tassel off the top. And there's a whole bunch of little seeds on that tassel. And what you would do is you would grow that, let it dry out, and you would cut it with a sickle or a corn knife or any kind of tool that they would have had to harvest corn stalks. And they would let that dry out, they'd pull the seeds off, and then they could bind those brooms together. Now, by 1810, the shakers came up with a different style of broom than the round one. It was more of a flat broom. So think about our traditional brooms that we're used to, how they're flat and they sweep really well side to side. Um, they were better than those round brooms. It was an improvement. They cleaned bigger areas more consistently. And so you had that development. And then by 1830, there were actually 60,000 small broom shops in the United States which is an interesting development because it actually meant that they produced enough brooms not only for the needs here in the U.S., but they were exporting brooms to Canada, if you hmm. can believe that. So kind of a neat thing to think about for an everyday object. Yeah, definitely. So if one wanted to make a broom, what are some tips for doing that? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to have some kind of a material. So broom corn is something that grows well in Michigan. We are actually going to try to grow some this year here at the park. And we know a gentleman in Rockford, Mr. Stetter, who actually makes brooms and grows broom corn in his backyard. He sometimes makes enough brooms he needs to have it shipped in. So once you have your material, then you also need to pick a broom handle. So you need something to attach that broom to, and you can attach it to anything. Mr. Stutter, who I mentioned earlier, he actually has made brooms attached to clarinets, which those are more decorative than meant for use. Yeah, but still. <laughs> you can't play them. <laughs> no, still proves the point that you, you can use anything for a handle. Then you would need some tools like a draw knife and a shade bench. A shave bench is kind of like a workbench that you can sit on and use your feet to hold things. So it's kind of a combination of a vise and a workbench. And you can use your draw knife to smooth out your broom handle. You don't want to get any splinters on your hands while you're sweeping. And then you would need some twine and you would also need a broom press. And this is what holds all your broom corn together while you are basically kind of sewing it with the twine. And you have to pull it very, very tight. Eventually, there'd be developments of tools that would help keep the tension on the twine or the wire, such as it was in the time period, to make those brooms nice and firm so that they were a little more durable than, say, that tree branch we talked about earlier. Sounds like a lot of work just to do some spring cleaning. I'm glad I can just go grab a broom, but also sounds really cool. If you're interested in learning more about making brooms or about spring cleaning or really anything about Michigan's history, you can visit us this summer at Michigan's Heritage Park in Whitehall. We will be opening on April 30th and we will stay open through the end of October. See you this summer! Mm -hmm.